Okay, so you said that you don't want to share. I don't want to share. And you have acknowledged that you sound like a child. Yes, I sound like a child, and I knew come means this, I'd sound like a child, but okay. I don't want to. Hello, and welcome to the Go For Two podcast, a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Jenna Lique, here with Brad Klein, and Brad, we have some air to clear up. I mean... There were some harsh accusations yeah. put against me last week in last week's episode. There's no question this week. It's just going to be, let's talk about it. I ended up actually watching all of The Last Dance, and I got to watch with you, America, on time, episodes 9 and 10. Have I redeemed myself? Yeah, but I still have to ask, what took you so long? Why? I, I, I don't know. After after watching it, I've I've now have a greater respect for the NBA. The thing is, I didn't grow up a huge NBA fan. I am a New York Knicks fan, and they have not been good for quite a while now. Some people might say they are the laughing stock of the NBA at the moment. So, the NBA is nothing like wasn't something I was super interested in learning about from the fan perspective. So, when this came on, I was like, "Yeah, Jordan, Michael Jordan. You know, he's the goat. He's the greatest." Um, I know that. Okay, cool. But after watching it, I don't know, I have a greater respect for the NBA, and I thought it was really cool to see how things were done before our time in terms of how the league went and what what sports, you know, what sports, how important it is in the daily life of everyone, regardless of how interested you might be, as we've seen now with, with the coronavirus. It was Michael Jordan was like a movement, as we saw, that transcended sports, which is pretty awesome to see. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear from a really non-basketball fan's perspective. Uh, Everyone knows that Jordan is an icon, literally and figuratively. He's on your shoes, but also he's everywhere. He, He was a movement, and he currently is a movement. That wasn't news to me. What was interesting to me was kind of unmasking Jordan and the image of Jordan and, and how he was in the locker room, how he was as a leader and what he had to sacrifice to be the GOAT. That was definitely one of the highlights for me as well. Just seeing, we don't always get to see the behind the scenes of athletes life. And as you know, normal individual, like normal people who don't have the spotlight, spotlight constantly on them, we will like never understand the sacrifice that that takes. And those people that we kind of got to see behind the scenes of all that during during the stock for sure. Now, I'm glad here's I watched what it. I, here's what I don't understand, okay? I'm, I'm starting to come to terms with the fact that you just dragged your feet on watching it. I get that. I don't understand why we're just seeing this now. They've had this footage since 1998. Why did it take them until 2020 to make the documentary? They weren't working on the documentary for 22 years. It's been a few years in the making, that's for sure but they weren't working on the documentary all this time. Why did they drag their feet in making it? I have no answer to your question. I have no idea. It's ridiculous. Why was I'm not on the production team. It doesn't make sense. But, I mean, it did come at a time when we all needed it. We all needed something. I mean, mean, I'm different because I only watched it one Sunday, but most other pupils watched it every Sunday, and it kind of gave them something close to what, you know, live sports gives people something to do 
on a schedule that we don't, you know, now when schedules are kind of obsolete because we are in days that kind of run together, it was something that came at a, at the proper time. It might not have made sense as to why it waited so long, but it couldn't have come at a better time when everyone's home and able to experience it with each other. Absolutely. Something to talk about. Exactly. So now we're going to move something that's similar to what I just said in the Jordan doc, you know, bringing some sense of normalcy. Um, Teams are reopening facilities starting on Tuesday if the government are uh, permit permit them to do so. And the three major states, Texas, California, and um, New York, have all said that they are are open to working with the league to have li- the league NFL, because we're talking about here, but leagues in general for professional sports. They are open to working with them to reopen professional sports, but without spectators. Brad, what do you think? about the reopening process and how it's going to look for specifically the NFL and what some what are some things that might come in the way of that happening the way we'd like to see it well this is nothing more than a good sign an omen but right now there's not much that we're talking about here uh, no more than 50 percent of staff can be present at once in the training facilities maximum of 75 people at once coaches are not allowed to quote restore equality and players are also not allowed unless they're rehabbing an injury so really no one's allowed unless you have a boo-boo so right now all we're talking about is uh, the nfl is moving in the right direction a half step in the right direction the only thing that can derail this movement and the slow but sure process of returning to normalcy is a second wave that's what we're really concerned about and look neither one of us are medical professionals we don't fully know what we're talking about here but what we're hearing is that a second wave is very possible and also that the coronavirus might just be something that we have to deal with and accept as a part of life Uh, one day hopefully we'll have a vaccine and it won't even be as big a deal but you think of the flu when the flu broke out many moons ago it was it was a big deal it was a pandemic much like the coronavirus We have a vaccine, and now it's something that you don't want. But if you get, you'll be treated. It'll be okay, most likely. The coronavirus, I think, one day will get there. But right now, we're not there. And a second wave could really derail the process. Well, Brad, I mean, that's the million-dollar question with this pandemic is the second wave. And if it happens, when it will happen, how much it will set us back from the progress that has been made with social distancing procedures. Um, I'm hoping, I'm looking and it's looking like the NFL is planning to kind of go business as usual in terms of the schedule and the timeline, but it should be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks as states start to reopen and as professional sports start to come back this week and into um, June 1st and those, those timelines for those states. It should be interesting to see if the NFL decides to move the schedule back. But it's not looking like that um, for now. But that's the one thing I'm kind of wondering about. Because when schedule was released, it was like, oh, they're all – they were still planning to, you know, start in September and, and finish in February per usual, which was maybe a little surprising to some. Now, Jenna, some athletic directors, especially Florida, they're saying that they would be open to hosting an NFL team – letting them use their facilities, their stadium, training facilities, whatnot. 
And that might be an avenue that the NFL takes to return soon, even with a second wave, say a second wave pops up in the tri-state area and the Giants, the Jets, they can't play at MetLife. They go down to Gainesville and play on the U of F campus. The problem there is, A, how can you social distance when you're all bunching together with the college football teams? And B, are the facilities going to be sufficient enough? Sure, the SEC schools have the uh, status quo, what you need in the NFL, especially when it comes to social distancing. But does Florida Atlantic? I mean, as someone who lives uh, like 20 minutes away from FAU, um, I I don't think so. I do not think no. they have the facilities. Um, but that that's interesting nice to know. Nice campus, beautiful campus. It's I mean it is it is it is pretty nice. I know me and Brad we've talked about um, our preferences in terms of schooling. As I am a Florida Florida child who decided to go to Syracuse, and I really like. <laughs> I really like every, stupid. everything that, that came with that. And I decided not to go to a Florida school. So I know we had differing opinions on that, on that life choice. But the one thing that I found interesting, which goes to a, it, the example comes from a smaller league in the uh, NWSL where um, the Orlando pride women's um, soccer team, they started practicing. I think last week, I remember seeing, some things um, via social media that um, show that they were practicing and they were doing, they were all getting their temperatures taken. So I think it could be possible. I, I'm interested to see how that would go. I mean, no one's really talking about it because I don't know why, but no one's really talking about it. And it should be interesting to see in these smaller leagues how they figure out what's going on and how to practice with social distancing and practice with temperature. I don't think social distancing is something that can be done in terms of practicing, um, especially in a contact sport like football. <laughs> I don't see see that happening, but maybe you just have to kind of keep everyone in, in the same bubble, if that makes sense. So like, just make sure no one leaves. <laughs> like, keep everyone contained, which is almost impossible with athletes and I'll you tell you what, their the families and all of that. But go ahead, Brian. The NBA, they're talking, they have a, a close relationship with Disney and ESPN. They're talking about essentially making an NBA haven on the campus of Disney World. And the idea is you get your temperature take it, uh, taken when you enter Disney World, if you're an NBA player, coach, uh, trainer, what have you, and you get tested, you don't have the virus, let's say, you're admitted into Disney World, no rides included, no fast pass, just basketball. They have the facilities there. They have gyms that can actually host games. They've done it before. Not, of course, on this scale. They wouldn't, mm -hmm. they've never hosted playoff games. But it would be interesting because they have the hotel space to host an entire league. We'll see if the NFL can replicate that. Disney World is not really in the cards for the NFL. Neither is this ridiculous, ridiculously convenient, out-of-this-world campus. So I don't know. The NFL might be at a disadvantage in that sense. We'll we'll definitely have to wait and see what they decide to do because I don't know. We don't know how long this is going to last. So it seems like they're trying to wait it out, but we will see. We'll see how it's going. What are we, day 70 without sports? 71? It, something like that. I have no idea. It feels like something forever. Painful. Yeah, yeah it feels bad. like forever. And we're just trying to get back to normalcy. But – 
on on a different note, we're going to talk about um, DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar. and Very abnormal note. Abnormal note. But we're going to kind of stick with the South Florida narrative um, because uh, these two were are getting – there's been claims put on them. They've been, they've turned themselves into the Broward County Sheriff's Office. That's my county. I know where that is. So represent, let's go. Keeping it in the Florida roots. I think Antonio Brown also was arrested and brought there a couple months back. So really good stuff on, on the Broward County <laughs> Sheriff's What's Office. What's in the water over there? What's going on? I don't know. I guess all the, you know, Florida man jokes are not too far off. Some crazy <laughs> things do happen here, but Brad, what are you thinking about this whole situation when they, they've, been, they've been accused of t- stealing money with firearms and watches and there's been witnesses who said, is there a video? Is there not a video? What is going on? Explain this to us. And what do you think yeah. about their future in the NFL? So both men accused of armed robbery, stealing, or rather losing a few days ago, a few days prior, up to $70,000 and a card game. Uh, Both men are out of jail. They had turned themselves in and are awaiting trial. (laughs) Not good. Not good. It's it's, it's rough because objectively you think, okay, Quentin Dunbar, DeAndre Baker, both of them are millionaires individually and they're multimillionaires combined. Why do they need to be stealing money? Why are they, I mean, losing $70,000, that's a lot of money for anyone, but why are they committing a crime when they have a lot more money to spend? I can only speculate. The thing is, you have to understand about professional athletes. They are ultra competitors. Ultra competitors. And we saw this with Michael Jordan in the last I was going to say, in the Jordan doc. Very competitive with everything, whether it's golf, cards, or basketball. Golf, cards, or football. DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar are a different breed than you and I. They're just more competitive. And it sounds like they lost a card game badly. Um, Maybe uh, maybe one of those match-the-pot situations where the the pot goes up to hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's not that Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker couldn't afford their mortgage afterwards. It's that, well, they lost. And that's rough. And maybe, again, I can't, I can't say. I'm just speculating. Right now, I can, all I can say is this. Innocent, innocent until proven guilty. So they're guilty of one thing. Not, nothing legal, but they're guilty of putting themselves in a bad position mm-hmm. at the very least. And to answer your question, no, I don't think they're ever going to play in the league again because, A, neither one of these players are Pro Bowl caliber players that their teams can't absolutely live without. And, B... It sounds like they're going to be tried and, and possibly even convicted of something that might even put them away for a very long time. Well, Dunbar's attorney um, is taking a little bit of a, of a different tune, as you probably expect, but he decided to take to social media and put mm-hmm. his opinion on, on, this, on this whole situation. And he said, his career and reputation has been put in jeopardy as a result of an overzealous at Miramar PD, that was so excited about arresting a pro football player that they've tweeted out their celebration and even tagged his employer in in their unprofessional virtual touchdown dance. Took to social media and said that. um, 
I mean, he's not wrong. Um, their their careers and reputations are put in jeopardy, but I don't know if the whole other part about the overzealous Miramar PD and all the rest. I mean, there's I was doing my research on on this, just trying to figure out. There's so many pieces to this because there's there's a whole bunch of witnesses who said that they they know it was them. They know what happened at this at this house party cookout situation, and then but they claim that there was there's witnesses on their side who can tell them for sure that didn't happen. And then, like I mentioned, when I asked Brad the question about there's this video that they that there's been speculation that exists. Through, apparently, like, there's no video now. Apparently, there's, now yeah, there's but no apparently video. there's no video. But all the witnesses are, are corroborating the story that there is a video through a ring, whatever security yeah, system. There is no video. So here's just, what's really weird to me, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I good. just have to get this off my chest. I want to touch up on what you just said. Witnesses know that it was Dunbar and Baker. Mm-hmm. They also say that there was a third guy, but they don't know the who third the third guy, guy is. Yeah. That makes very little sense to me. Again, I don't know if they did it. If they did, then no. They will never play in the NFL again. Absolutely not. The thing is, if they didn't, they might not even play in the NFL because, again, they're guilty of putting themselves in a bad position. That's, the, that's just the matter of fact. You don't hear that about many players in the league, that they were accused of this, accused of that. And it's just a very bad image for Baker and Dunbar. And any team that wants to pick them up, whether it's the Giants, the Redskins that want to stick with them, or another team, or rather I should say Seahawks, that want to stick with them, uh, it's going to be a bad optic, and it's going to be a PR battle. It should be interesting. I, this story obviously is is a crazy one with a lot of different details and it should be interesting to see what else comes out about this case and just how it goes into the future. Now we're going to talk about the Rooney rule and another situation that as of, I would say a half hour ago has had some new things, new details come up. Um, Brad, first do you want to walk us through what was being discussed at the owner's meeting that is happening and wrapping up at this time? Yeah, so the Rooney Rule, as it is today, as it was yesterday, uh, basically states that NFL teams have to interview at least one minority candidate for uh, head coach positions, uh, GM positions, what have you, high up positions in the organization. They're proposing a rule change. In, in, In a sense, there will be draft compensation if you hire one of those minority candidates. And also they're talking about Uh, racial composition of the league aside, they're talking about potentially uh, implementing a rule that coordinators cannot be blocked from interviewing for head coaching positions. I believe that was passed. Mm -hmm. For the time being, the rule change for the Rooney rule, that was tabled. And in my opinion, uh, thank God, because I I have no problem with the Rooney rule as it is today. I think it's good because, look, about 70% of the players are black about 30% are white, and then you fill in the blanks with uh, other, another demographic. But it almost minimizes, the rule change almost minimizes what successful minority head coaches and GMs have already done in the league. I just, my mind immediately went to Brian Flores. Brian mm-hmm. Flores is a guy that got the job with the Miami Dolphins, not because of the color of the skin, and not because the Dolphins got draft compensation for hiring but because he was qualified. 
and he was Good the best coach. man for the job. Exactly. Good coach. Mm-hmm. And he did a great job in his first season. You and I both think that he's going to do an even better job in his second season. And again, the Dolphins weren't expecting a third-round draft boost in exchange for that. Because what a draft compensation would be in exchange for hiring a, a minority coach, that would be the league and Roger Goodell saying, hey, teams, we will essentially pay you for hiring a minority coach. We don't care if he's more qualified, less qualified than the other candidates. We will give you stuff if you hire a minority coach. And it's all, I mean, I'm, I'm a white male, uh, you're of color. In my opinion, I can see it as being insulting. I agree with you completely. Um, it's, it doesn't make sense. I feel like you're kind of using, you could be potentially using people to get compensation and get things that you want. It's kind of messed up. Um, I think that the best coach for the job, minority or non-minority, should get the job. Um, The reason why they've even thought about changing this rule is because only three of the last 20 jobs, the head coaching jobs that were open were filled by minorities. But that's like, I mean, obviously that's low and disproportionate, but maybe – the min- like minority just weren't as qualified as maybe the white. I just think there's more to it than just the skin color and race aspect of it. If that, I don't know. It, I, I'm not crazy about it. And I think whoever is the most qualified should get the position. I have to be honest with you, Jenna. And, mm-hmm. and this is just me speculating. Yeah. I think that there is an ounce of, of racism in head coach and general manager interviews the overwhelming majority of owners are white. Two owners are of color. And I, and not a coincidence, the owner of the Dolphins, I believe, is of color. Am I correct? I think so. I do believe yes. so. So the point is, I think there is an element of bias there. The thing I'm concerned about is, is the coaches and the, the applicants, the hirees, if you will, is that mm-hmm. if this rule was implemented and – Uh, let's say a black coach was hired and the team gets draft compensation for hiring him. Now the coach has to think, okay, was I hired because of me or because of the color of my skin? How do you lead a team like that? How do you do your job like that when you are not 100% sure if the team that has hired you and the team that is paying you has 100% faith in you or not? That's that. How can you do that? It definitely – opens the door to ulterior motives, like, even more yeah. so. Because it could have happened before just to fulfill. Like, people were complaining that pe- that the Rooney Rule wasn't, you know, properly getting fulfilled um, mm-hmm. in some of these situations. And I think that just – there's more of a question mark now. As if, is this the guy you want? Or are you trying to, you know, claim diversity and try to get your your, your picks? It's, it's using people, and I don't think that that, that, that should be done. And a rule, I understand the point and the purpose of the rule and what they're trying to do. I think, like most things, they're trying to do the right thing. It's just, no, this is not how how it should be done. And just to be clear, the Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, is not of color. However, the GM, Chris Greer, and the head coach, Brian Flores, are. Yeah, and I I definitely know some, some, um, like, partial owners are, Mm -hmm. are people of color. So... Yeah, that's all I have to say on that. That's my my opinion on the Rooney Rule and all the updates. It's just it just seems like a very dangerous and slippery road because that 
that would change the landscape of the league and not just in terms of uh, racial equality, which mm -hmm. of, of course I'm all for, but changing the, the culture and the landscape of the league in that you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have the most qualified people in there. Some would be, and don't get me wrong. I think, mm -hmm. I think I there would be qualified people hired with this change. However, there would probably be, as you mentioned, ulterior alternative motives that would alter franchises because a third round pick, a third round draft compensation, that is sizable. We're not talking about yeah. seventh, sixth round. That's essentially a negligible pick that you wouldn't sacrifice for the proper candidate. We're talking about a third round pick, a starter potential star that franchises are getting for free if they just hire the other guy. Yeah, and you could you could potentially move up 16 spots. Yeah. It's six for a head coach, 10 for a GM. Let's say you hire both, like the Miami Dolphins have both, correct? They have the minority head coach and GM. They could have moved up 16 spots in the third round. That's absurd. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the other question is, would the Dolphins get grandfathered in? I don't know. Not likely. All right, so now we're going to transition to talking about a minority in sports media in Phyllis George. She was one of the first female presences on the desk for NFL Today. And Brad, please talk about her, her importance and impact on the sports media industry. Well, I'll tell you what the what impact she had on me and now because of Phyllis George today in the 21st century as a sports broadcasting student. I have the privilege of working with someone like you, Jenna. I don't know if I would be had she not uh, tr blazed that trail on mm -hmm. NFL Today and become one of the pioneers for women in, in sports media. I, I, I have to ask you, who... Who were your inspirations when you decided to pursue journalism, broadcast journalism? Yeah, well, the first the first person I saw do this when I when I realized I wanted to do sports journalism was Kimberly Jones, who was the reporter for the Yankees when I was like twelve, and I was like, "Whoa, you can talk to Mark Teixeira because he was my favorite player," and I was like, "I want to do that," and so. Uh, that's, that's some, I mean, Aaron Andrews is also someone, you know, I've looked up to cause she's also done sports and entertainment. So she does both of those things as a host of dancing with the stars, which I always thought was something that could be cool to kind of have, you know, everything. And then you have, you know, like Beth Moens who went to Syracuse. And then I also, you know, the people who even inspired them in like Leslie Viser and Phyllis George, you know, some of the people exactly. who have what the people I look up to and I guess this generation of female sports journalists look up to someone had to do it before them. And so they just have Phyllis George, people like Phyllis George kind of have a coaching tree, if you will, in terms of people they've inspired. And, you know, she is one of the reasons why I'm able to speak to you right now and have hope to, you know, one day make it into this industry post post-graduation. So I know it was a little weird me asking you, her importance, yeah. you know, in but, sports but, media, but but she has she's she's probably impacted you more than she has me, but she has impacted me because I'm I'm pursuing an industry that is different because of her and mm -hmm. and different for for better because it's it completely changes it broadcast journalism, sports media, 
it is still a, a, an industry that's dominated by men. But what women bring to the table is versatility and I guess uh, a different aspect to our coverage that we just as men could not bring. It's just a different style. And Phyllis George inspired the people that inspired you. And I think it's a special thing. But hey, Phyllis George, she blazed a trail in sports media. We're previewing what football sports media will look like next season. And Jenna, I don't know, Phyllis George might be concerned about this. I am as well. Fox is planning on pumping in fake crowd noise during broadcast to compensate for the empty stands, should the stands be empty due to the coronavirus. Jenna, what are your thoughts on this blasphemy? Okay. In terms of everything with the coronavirus, in terms of large crowds, the thing that you do not want to do is pretend like the pandemic isn't happening. So I say that because this is kind of like, okay, we have live sports back. We're going to pretend like it's all back to normal. When obviously it's not, and you're just going to make a fool of yourself because you thought that this was a good idea. No one wants to hear fake crowd noise we understand the circumstances we're just happy to get an ounce of the sport back please do not make a mockery of this this is going to be a joke i can already see my watch trending in yeah. in september okay hey what jenna what's your watch trending fan crowd noise from fox or fox because this is stupid i'm sorry this doesn't make any sense and i hope somebody at some point is like hey maybe we shouldn't do this because so it makes us so I, Go ahead. I just have two questions. Two questions. One, will the Seattle fake crowd be louder than the Arizona fake crowd? I I I don't even know how that works. Like twelve man. Like, how do you, I didn't how even do think you, about that. that. Work. Yeah. So, yeah. You have these fan bases. Questions. Yeah, you have these fan bases that are a lot more passionate. I mean, are there any? fans in LA of football I mean they <laughs> like any of them if you're there please let me know yeah, um, so, I mean you can't you can't have so the the Vegas Raiders can't have a crowd fake crowd because they've never had a real crowd for Fox to go off of so they don't know how loud you should be th this is true what yeah it's it, you'd have to do the same what no no not what you have to do what they're going to do is probably make the same crowd noise for everybody Make your generic crowd noise and make it elevate and, and decline as plays happen. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, and frankly, it's a dumb idea. And so I'm going to have to mute the game even as an aspiring play-by-play -play broadcaster. Got it. Now, here's my other question, and this comes from a play-by-play -play angle. We're taught in TV broadcasts to occasionally lay out. Let the crowd, let the image, let the atmosphere speak for itself. Big mm -hmm. touchdown. Joe Buck doesn't say a word. Are, are you going to lay out for a fake crowd? Touchdown, Jets. Listen to that crowd. What? No, there's no one there. I see no one there. What are you talking about? They're, they're trying to lie to us while telling us the truth. It makes no sense. I feel like it's going to have, like, a Madden feel where, like, you know, you're playing, you have all that fake crowd noise, and next thing you know, it's going to be like, okay, we don't even need a broadcast team. We'll just have uh, – I know my, my – I don't play a lot of video games, so the only Madden I have is Madden 10 for the Wii. And Chris Collingsworth saying his one-liners, the same one-liners over and over and over again. Yeah. 
I cannot see it being much. That's that's what like when I hear crowd noise, that's what I think of. I think of me playing the Wii when I was ten years old, and I will say that this: crowd, crowd the crowd thing. graphics have taken a step up in the ten years since. A the the Wii probably doesn't have the best crowd graphics. Let's be completely honest. You have like twelve different people in the stands, and they're all just sprinkled in, and so, like you have the same person sitting next to him in a row of. I don't even think that they have. I don't even think it's that advanced. I think it's just like spots. Oh, spots! I don't think it's like people. I don't. I don't remember. I mean, I have. I've been playing it because I've been home, but yeah, and I've been bored. But I have to take a look. I'm glad that Madden has, you know, improved their formula in the past ten years. Maybe. Um, I don't own any of the, you know, the premier gaming systems. So at some point, maybe I'll, I'll get on on that on that train and play some some madden 20 well i'm not gonna i mean i peer pressured you with the last dance i'm not gonna do that with madden because that's like what a 50 dollar investment i understand you want to stick with your with your 50 a 50 dollar investment but then we're gonna like also i need the gaming system so now i also have to buy a playstation or an xbox exactly so then it's like a 350 dollar investment exactly what are you talking about I can't, I can't peer pressure you into do that, doing that. I can encourage you, nothing else. So Fox is talking about pumping in crowd noise. ESPN, luckily, has not talked about doing that. But look, ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, they have their individual problems. Right now, they don't know who's going to be in the Monday Night Football booth. Last year, it was Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland. That was a disaster. No mm-hmm. one liked that group. No. And, and it's kind of unfair because I actually didn't mind Joe Tessitore. Not bad just- at all. Just Booger McFarland's fault, to be completely honest. So they tried to get Romo in a CBS trade. That didn't work. They tried to offer Peyton Manning an eight-figure contract. He said no. Drew Brees went to NBC. Phillip Rivers is coaching high school football. Greg Olson, I believe, also went to NBC. So nobody's biting at the Monday Night Football gig. Now ESPN is looking at internal candidates. Dan Orlovsky, Lewis Riddick to go along with Steve Levy, the longtime Sports Center anchor. What do you think this Monday Night Football booth is going to look like? I don't know. I know they sit in-house, but I don't see anything really working in-house. I think I, I think they still have time to change to change their tune on that. Uh, the obvious, well, I mean, for me, one of the obvious ones would have been Adam Amin, but um, no hmm. longer at ESPN. He's now at Fox Sports and got a nice deal over there. So I went a little out of the box, kind of went against what NFL – or NFL, what ESPN um, said they were going to do. And I went, I and Eagle and Kurt Warner. Those are my choices. <laughs> well, well, I and Eagle's with CBS. I wish, because I'm the biggest I and Eagle fan of all time. Yes. I, I, I understand this. And again, this is an interesting, this was an interesting question that, that Brad brought up. Because my thing is, I'm not going to have any correct answer or any answer that's going to be better <laughs> than yours. Because the thing is, Brad, Brad wants to be a play-by-play broadcaster he's wanted to do this his entire life so anything i say is gonna be like uh yeah i guess well let me tell you the correct answer because i've been studying this for my entire life okay so, so now, now let me tell you the correct answer because i've been studying this my entire life exactly I, I okay, okay. <laughs> i let me let me just continue continue to, to my my point i was just like reading some again things have changed and espn has said they're going to try to go in house i don't know if that's going to work i think that they can still change their mind on that i that's not something you you can you you, there's nothing that you're pigeonholing yourself into you can easily get out of that and they might offer 
you know, an eagle deal he cannot refuse or, and somehow he gets out of it. I don't know his contract details to be quite honest with you. And Kurt Warner, I know, I don't know. He, you know, he does play by play for some, some radio entities and he has, you know, experience on television. I don't know. Brad, just tell me, tell me I'm wrong and, and continue. And then my opinions are garbage and continue. Go ahead. I, I knew I was, I was walking into this blind because I have not wanted to be a play-by-play person my entire life. So I have no, I, have, I don't know. Look, Whoever hey, wants to be a, on the Monday, my, Monday job. night job. I'll give you credit. Okay. Because the Kurt Warner, Iron Eagle combo, that's almost like a dream team. It's like fantasy play-by-play. Who do you want in the Monday night football booth, regardless of their contract or, or which quote-unquote team they play for, of course, network to go along with the analogy. No, I don't think Ian Eagle's on the table, but Ian Eagle is, is fantastic, and he would do a great job. I think they're going to stick with Steve Levy. Steve Levy's really good, and he does play-by-play. He did play-by-play for the XFL. He's done it for college football. He can do it. That's not an issue. The issue is the analyst, and mm-hmm. in TV play-by-play, the analyst is the star. It's not about the play-by-play guy. In radio – it, it kind of is because it's the radio, it's the play-by-play announcer's job in radio to completely paint the picture. Well, you have the screen for that. So Orlovsky and Riddick seem like fine options. And I'm not being biased here. I actually think Rex Ryan would do a halfway decent job for ESPN. Yeah. He has the personality, a defensive guru. And I guess Orlovsky would try to step into that Romo role, but I don't know if Lewis Riddick has has what it takes and not even just a charisma. He's a little bit of an introverted guy. Doesn't have that personality. That's really going to jump off the screen, but also he's a cornerback. He's a, a, a journeyman quarterback. He's not going to break down offenses like Romo. I know that's what ESPN wants. Mm-hmm. That's why they went after Brady Manning and Romo. And so with that, I'm, I'm going to have to lean towards Orlovsky if they're going internal, but I still like Rex Ryan because he can dissect defenses. I think anything's in it that anything's going to be a step up from Booker McFarland for sure. That was, that was, I feel bad for him because I, I ripped him. I ripped him behind the scenes and not a, not a Booger McFarland fan. Never was never thought the Booger mobile was a good idea ever. <laughs> it was just, he was set up to fail. And, and because it's, it's tough. It's a tough industry. You say one thing that's partially wrong and everything else that you say after that loses credibility. And he mm-hmm. lost credibility with the viewership very, very quickly. Right now, the world and, and, and the Twitter sphere, they're following the Monday Night Football landscape and what that's going to look like. We're following what else is on the Twitter sphere. It's what was trending. And Jenna, another uniform change. Yeah, just call me the uniform, the uniform junkie, I guess. Actually, I have no proper opinions because I was reading an article and like I said, I didn't love I didn't love the Chargers uniform, but everyone raved about them. So I clearly know nothing about uniforms and my opinions are moot. But all I have to say is, uh, so I forgot who did the article. Someone wrote an article and I and I took a look at it. I didn't really read it. I just it was rankings of the best and the worst uniforms. Sorry, Brad. Your Jets I came in this. last. You saw what? that? How how did that happen? How are the Jets 32nd? That makes no sense. The Gotham Green is sick and it's wrong. How's that? It's wrong. Well, I like the way the Las Vegas Raiders were painted here. Um they came in second as the best uniforms and I agree the silver and black, you know, nothing like it. We love it. 
I mean, the Chargers were ahead of us, and I still don't get it. I don't understand. But it's fine. So you you guys Jets, can like the Chargers uniforms. Go ahead, If Brad. you're curious, the Jets retweeted that story mm-hmm. with – well, I can't remember what they that's said. What, like, I think L- that's how I saw LOL it. LOL or something yeah, like that. That's it's, it's it. Yeah. yeah, that's how I saw it. Yeah, that's how I saw it. That's how I saw it. But they were that, playing into it. That's just not right. The Rams might might have a case for the thirty second best uniforms there in go. the league. Get, not getting the Jets. me back to it. Yeah. So the the opinions on just like around the league and fans' opinions were kind of mixed. Some people really liked them, and they were wrong. They were not nice <laughs> at all. <laughs> and then a lot of people roasted them. They didn't like the logo, and they really didn't like the uniforms. Um, I thought the, the blue with the, the yellow wasn't too bad. The gold, whatever specific type of yellow it is. Maybe um, it's maize, like Michigan maize. I don't know. It's that color. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. The full blue wasn't crazy about it, but didn't hate it. You want to know what I did hate? I hated that all-white uniform. It was like gray and it was like off-white. It was gross. I didn't like it. And this was a swing and a miss. My thing is, I've realized that my um, uniform opinions really are not important. Don't take my word on them, because honestly, I you don't care. You also like the Falcons uniforms. Where did that come from? No them. one liked those. See, exactly. No one likes the ones I like. So I just, I'm just going to quit, and I don't know why the what's trending that I always notice are always uniform ones, but that's what I have this week. I, I, I don't know. Maybe... I don't get. I don't see it until they're on the players, or maybe I just don't care. I'm not in it for the uniforms. I'm in it <laughs> for the football. I am in it for the sport. But, okay, I'll join you on the slightly unpopular take. I actually didn't hate the logo, but the uniforms were oh. bad. The I mean, what's what's wrong? What else? What else do you want in a Rams logo? You have the horn. You have the name. You have the colors. What, what, what else can you ask? Maybe it's just it's bad like, to begin with. <laughs> the, the only thing that I can think of that, was, that would be the reason as to why people hated it would be that the logo that they replaced is kind of a classic. It's not like the Colts horseshoe and it's not like the Cowboy star, but to replace it, it, it has this sentimental feel for the fans. And I, I don't think hating the new logo was, was as much about the new logo itself, I think it was about replacing the old one. The uniforms are hideous. They are dreadful. And I, I, all, I'm, all I'm really sour about is how the Jets were 30 seconds on that list. I, where does that even come from? I thought our green was respected. When it debuted last year, everyone was like, ooh, look at the Jets, Le'Veon Bell, Sam Darnold, new look, new team. Looks good. Gotham green. Awesome. What happened? Why? The tables have turned, for sure. Yeah. That the uniforms didn't age well. Okay, well, my what was trending, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben, Big Ben has come out with a bang, and, and he pledged after his injury last season that he would not throw a football to uh, until he could throw one to his teammate, and he wouldn't shave until he could throw a football to his teammate either. And uh, it looked like it, too. He looked like a lumberjack uh, for – just to be completely honest with you. And I thought it was just a quarantine look, but turns out it was just a pledge that he made. I won't shave until I can throw a football to my teammate. And now he's healthy and he's doing it, of course, trying to social distance, but he released this hype video with a flashback to his pledge. I won't shave until I can throw a football. And then it was him throwing a football, just heaving them with his lumberjack beard. Guy looked like Gandalf, okay? 
And then the video, 30-second video, check it out. The video cuts to him in the barber shop looking like a, a little boy with candy because uh, he's happy. He can finally look like a person again. And Ben is a new look. He looks like the old Big Ben. It's a nice change because wasn't a good look with him buried in facial hair. Yeah, I can only see him doing this with the intent of making a a social media splash when he I came was, back. It was big. Because was there's big. no there's no reason to do this. Oh, I guess I don't no one's gonna see you. Like it made no sense unless you were like planning a big reveal, hey, look what I did. And that's exactly how he played it out. And I, it was not a good look. I'm glad he got a haircut. It was not a good look. And, you know, the best part of that video was, was the ending when, when Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. was like, he's back. He's back. And I was yeah. like, all right. I was like, well, well done, video. Whatever. He's back. Question. Let's get it. What's up? Here's my question with, with Big Ben's video, okay? Because don't I need a haircut in the mm-hmm. worst way, okay? I'm Jewish, and the hair grows up, and it curls up, and it's not good. Every time we've Zoom called for the podcast, I've been wearing a hat, not a coincidence. And I'm not taking it off either. You can't make it, okay? Now, that being said, Big Ben actually needed a haircut more than I did, and he got it. Why does Big Ben get a haircut and I don't? How does that even, how does that even work? How, did, how do you get a haircut nowadays? How do you even go about that? You just invite someone to your home, and they do it for you? Well, it depends where he was at, because I know my dad, he was also in this state of, oh my gosh, please do something with your hair, because it's gross. And <laughs> he came back today, all of a sudden I see him walk into the house, I don't know where he was, I had just woken up, and he was like, I, I'm like, did you do it? And I, I could tell, there's something different, and I was like, he's like, yup, it's gone, and it was beautiful, I was like, thank goodness, because it was starting to get a nappy back there, oh, it was not good. He also has curls, not as bad, probably, but he also... You know, he's definitely had a fro or two in his day. So I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I think it just depends in, in what state you are and how willing you are to go outside. Cause the Jufro dad- is not a good look. My brother does anything he can to prevent any remnant of Jew curl, Jew fro. He'll shave his head, and he's done it before, and just to make sure that he doesn't grow it too long and too high, I should say. Yeah, so the people, I mean, in Florida, you're able to go to to a hair salon. He, he did, or he got to, went to a barbershop today, and he saw yeah, to use yeah. social distance and wear a mask the whole time. But, I mean, things are opening up, so he was probably able to get a haircut just like, you know, he would have back, back when, you know, things were normal in life. It's bad. It's frustrating. New Jersey can't, I can't get a haircut. I was thinking about cutting it myself. Probably a terrible idea. Not a good probably, idea. Probably a terrible idea. That's been frustrating, but so is this. It's time for our favorite segment. <laughs> Fan. <gasps> Frustration. So it's time to talk about how the Raiders and how the Jets messed up this week. Because they did. They do every week, and this week is no different. Jenna. What did the Raiders do? See, this is this is getting hard, you know, to really find something in the state that we're in. Really? And I'm having no problem. You're having no, no problem. problem? Yeah, there's, I mean. Problem. The problem is that I have no problem. Yeah, that's, that's rough. I mean, again, I keep saying this, I feel like it's every week. When the season comes, I'm frustrated most weeks. Because the thing about the Raiders is 
they their play bothers me more than anything else. Their decisions aren't like awful or atrocious. It's just their play, like things that they decide to do in season. That's what really gets me going and really gets part. me angry. The foot, the actual football part. Yeah, an integral part of being a good football team. Exactly. That's what gets me frustrated. So it's it's been a challenge, but I'm still I'm still able to find something that kind of bothers me. But it's more of what the plan might be if you know things are slower to open up in California in terms of where teams might be playing stuff we kind of talked about earlier with potential college teams there's also a potential you know sharing of stadiums so they're thinking that the 49ers would share a stadium with the Cardinals and that the two LA teams the Rams and the Chargers would share a stadium with the Raiders. Why? This is our year. It's 2020 <laughs> Las Vegas. Well, I don't want to share. I'm going to sound like a child, but I don't want to share. I don't. This is our time. We have, you know, the ticket sales. The most popular ticket right now is a Las Vegas Raiders football ticket. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see if these people are going to be able to use them. But I – why? I mean, it's not like it'll make that big of a difference because, I mean, no one will show up to any of the L.A. games. As I've said before, there are no no fans of the Chargers and the Rams. Um, so that's not that's not going to be a huge issue, but it's just annoying. I shouldn't be complaining. We're going to get a lot of sports back, and if fans can come back, it'll be great. But it's just, everyone, let's have one plan. Where all the te- all the states are, you know, in agreement. All the states where professional football teams are in are in agreement, so everyone can be in their own stadiums. I don't want, you know, we've already got our draft taken away, and then we have draft 2020, draft 2021, and draft 2022. Famously, we have all three of those those drafts. Yes. You know, the one that was in process of happening. So we've already lost our first, you know, step into being, you know introduced as you know here's a football city you know it's new that was supposed to be the draft to kind of integrate us into it could still a little weird to hear say las vegas raiders so this is supposed to help us you know get a feel for what football in vegas would look like okay you know we get passed up on that that's fine that's fine but now you're gonna make me share with these two these two teams with mediocre fan bases in our time of coming out as hey you know las vegas raiders were for real i don't think it's fair to me as a fan and that is why i am frustrated because we're not going to get our time in the sun ever it's going to be 2022 and we're gonna be like hey you remember when we moved here two years ago yeah we're a football city we're ready to go we're jazzed up that's why i'm frustrated nothing nothing too major just you know i want my chance you know they made such a big deal about this whole vegas move i want a chance to really sink into it and really accept it and have our time in the sun and off to share our new stadium, a beautiful stadium at that, with somebody else who's not going to, you know, fill it, if filling it is something you can do. Okay, so you said that you don't want to share. I don't want to share. And you acknowledge that you sound like a child. Yes, I sound like a child, and I knew coming into this, I sound like a child, but okay. I don't want to. So I'm going to sound like a, a parent. A father here. Um, your stadium cost $2 billion, with a B, billion dollars to make. Now, that's, that's not much compared to SoFi Stadium in L.A., but it's not, it's not a little either. 
okay? This is a very expensive stadium, state-of-the-art. That's why you have to share. When my parents got me a DS, they didn't get me a DS, okay? They said, if you want nice things, you're going to split it with your brother because you're not getting nice things on your own, okay? Vegas, you have to calm down, okay? You're the Raiders. You're not the Patriots. You're not entitled to anything. So if you want a $2 billion stadium, that's sweet, but you're going to have to pay your dues. And here, the dues is sharing because sharing, guess what? It's caring. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to share. I'm sticking with my two-year-old opinion. I don't want to. And it's a, be- it's, it's a beautiful stadium that should be just for us. So but Jenna Brad, does not – Jenna's kicking and screaming. She doesn't yeah. want to share. No. Uh, my fan frustration goes with Logan Ryan's hesitancy to join the Jets, okay? So last week we talked about Logan Ryan in our headline segment. Uh, cornerback for the Titans had a great year last year. Four forced fumbles, four sacks, four interceptions. That joins a very exclusive club. So he should be a highly coveted player because the Titans aren't bringing him back. And now he's asking for $10 million. The Jets are in desperate, desperate need for a cornerback. And $10 million, the Jets have that. They have plenty of money. That's not the issue. So the Jets are very interested. They're rumored to be very interested in bringing Logan Ryan in. And Logan Ryan has gone on Good Morning Football and said, yeah, I'd be open to it, but um, I'm still listening to hear what else is out there. That means he doesn't want to play for the Jets. Just let me, like, let me read between the lines here. He does not want to play for the Jets. Now, it's not enough that the Jets are in New York. It's not enough that we have a young star, I believe, quarterback. But Logan Ryan doesn't want to play for us. That's just – maybe it's the uniforms. Hopefully it is. But the, the Jets have the worst uniforms. Logan Ryan thinks it might look, make his butt look big, and he doesn't want to play for them. That's why. Maybe. I hope. I don't know. But Logan Ryan – doesn't even matter if he gets his $10 million, which would be a pay, a pay increase for him. It would be a raise. He just doesn't want to play for the Jets. And that's, that's very disappointing, not, because he's, not only because he's a good player and he'd make our team look good, make our team better, but because it just, it just reminds me of Anthony Barr. Do you remember what happened with Anthony Barr last year? Refresh my memory. I do. Oh I do remember. God. I do remember what happened. Okay. But I want Vikings you to tell it because I think it's gonna be better when you yeah. say it. Vikings linebacker free agency last season. Just need a linebacker. Okay. This is before they got C.J. Mosley. Just needed the linebacker. Anthony Barr comes to New York. Loves it. Okay. Goes back to his home in Minnesota, mulling it over with his family. He says, "Good. I'm gonna sign." He verbally commits. He announces on social media, "I'm signing with the Jets." Inking it tomorrow. Book it. I'm going to New York. Head hits the pillow that night. In the middle of his REM cycle sleep, Anthony Barr has a dream, a nightmare mm. about his career. Going down the toilet, not going well. And why? Because he's in New York. Because he plays for the Jets. Anthony Barr wakes up in a sweat, a panic sweat. Has a warm glass of milk, but he still can't go to sleep. Why? Because the thought, the fear of playing for the Jets haunts him. And what does he do? The next day, he signs with the Vikings. Doesn't go to the Jets. The Jets get spurred out of Pro Bowl Anthony Barr. And now we're the butt of not just a joke, but a nightmare. And that's what it was. A nightmare. And now Logan Ryan didn't even take a dream. 
didn't even take divine intervention from Logan Ryan's REM cycle sleep. He just decided on his own, consciously, I don't want to play for the Jets. The key is he hasn't said it yet, but we all know what he's thinking. He just doesn't want to play for us, and that hurts. That hurts my feelings. That, that, was, that was great to hear you retell that story because I, I remember it, and I remember it as someone, you know, who is not as close to the situation. I was like, oh, that sucks. What a nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare. I like, oh, my God. I was like, that sucks. This is great. And it was even better hearing you finish off our podcast with that, with that delightful anecdote, how it felt as a Jets fan to hear of that whole situation that plagued the Jets last season, made them kind of, like you said, the butt of the joke. Thanks. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I am happy that that is how we will close. I could use a warm glass of milk right now. And then Brad never had a glass of warm milk again. The taste (laughs) haunted him. But that's all we have for today. If you want to, you know, shoot us an email, give us your thoughts, you can do that. Um, our email address is the go for the number two pod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on SoundCloud for previous episodes on the go for two podcast. Again, the number two. And we have a YouTube channel with the same, the same name, the go for the number two podcast. Subscribe, you'll get all the new episodes. You can go to playlists and see exactly where you get your fan frustration every Friday. See all the episodes that we have all neatly put together there for you. So, you know what? Also, give us a follow on social media on Twitter at the Gopher 2 Podcast because that is where you will not miss a beat. We are pretty active in putting out our episodes, and we will that is all we have for today's podcast.